0: This is Destroyed Nonchalance, Taking Culture Apart one episode at a time, a social commentary podcast on pop culture, fashion, film, and music. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast, where we talk about The Lion King, career concerns, and dystopian media.
1: I can't. I can imagine like this. Never been like this. I mean, it must be boiling in London.
2: I can't imagine. It is. Imagined. Yeah, it's the hottest day.
1: Yeah. Ever yeah, recorded? <laughs> ever, ever recorded? And I mean, I'm I'm hot up here in Nottingham, so I feel sorry for people on the underground as well. Oh my God! Oh, no I can't
0: imagine. Let's let's just catch each other up on what our week has been like. So, Serena, how has your week been?
1: Um, it's been good. Um, I've been. Basically, we're doing some research on some articles. That's mostly what I've been doing this week. Um, I've been looking at uh, black European royal families. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, which is interesting. And uh, kind of uh, putting together something for the Windrush magazine. So that's what I've been doing.
0: And um, do you know when we might be able to see this? Like, when
2: it might be published?
1: Yeah, it'll be coming out in October, so I've got like a few articles that I'm doing, so yeah,
2: okay. I've been doing a bit of research. We've been to some movies, we saw The Lion King, so we finally got to see that. What okay. did you think? I didn't think it was as emotional as the cartoon was, Or um, and I mean, I was a kid when I saw it, so I think there's... Differences there I I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. I liked everything about it. It just wasn't That emotional connection that I had with the cartoon Yeah, maybe wasn't there so much.
0: It made me realize I had never seen the animated version of it So I was like was this in the cartoon? I don't remember this and I don't think I've ever seen it But I do love a good villain. So Mm -hmm. I've gone through before and looked for like the villainy songs from um from The Lion King yeah, and Scar. They, they was never very really good. resonated for me, but Scar, when he started singing, I was like, Rick, is this is this in the cartoon? Because this sounds really good. And yeah. I think the soundtrack is amazing. Like, Beyonce's voice is amazing. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. and if I were singing a duet with her, as an actor does in a movie, <laughs> yeah. I would be so intimidated. Yeah. Because it's like, hello, you're singing yeah, a duet yeah. with Beyonce. And yeah. but, no, I mean, she's really good. Her character is, like, so confident. And I think for me, part of it was almost like watching a... Um, Documentary because the animals are so realistic, and sometimes you're just watching them like run through the habitat or like just do what animals do. And yeah, yeah, my mind kind of uh, drifted every once in a while. Like, I was yeah, like, oh. I
1: heard that, I heard that was a criticism, and my brother said the same thing that it was like watching oh. National Geographic. So yeah
2: you know. And I mean I <laughs> so That's I a
0: testament I think to the quality Like you know the work that they did But in the end it came yeah. across as so natural
2: I was going to say I i don't know if I even thought of That part of it Because I, I was just thinking about Like all of the lessons That it's trying to talk about And the balance And even Troy and I talked about How when he messes up and he goes to the Badlands and endangers himself and uh, his friend, you think, oh, he's going to get it from his dad, but it's a different conversation.
0: His dad doesn't get reactive. And I thought it was such a good example of parenting because his dad, like, he's the, the king. He's the Lion King. And when his son puts himself in danger, His dad is so in touch with his own feelings that he's able to acknowledge to his son that I was afraid, you made me worried, and I was scared. And there aren't very many times that I was scared, but you made me afraid. And that had such an impact on his son as I sat there and listened, more than any kind of like scolding or you know, like physical punishment. I was just, wow, that was like a
2: really touching moment. So, I mean. But you
0: also read about how the story came from? A oh, there's so much Kimba. <laughs> that was the original story. Kimba
2: the White Lion, and I, I would just I read about it and I saw some of the footage and some of the videos because this is the, when the Lion King cartoon came out. Disney made a huge deal about it's original. It's our first original, like not based on anything because everything before was uh, like folk tales, like you know Cinderella and stuff. Uh, Snow White and all of those yes. movies came from these old uh, tales but the Lion King they were, the it was a big push to say this is original not based on anything and come to find out that a lot of the imagery that they used was like side by side almost exactly the same as this uh, this cartoon called Kimba which I mean even the name Kimba Simba um, so there were I mean the the illustrator that did Kimba did say that Snow White uh, and Bambi was the inspiration for Kimba so he already I mean he, he was inspired by Disney and the animation and all of that and to see that kinda come full circle a little bit turned around and taken but then the
0: illustrator tried to put out a comic book version of his story and Disney sued him and said you cannot put out you cannot put out your Kimba story in a comic book version yeah even though
1: he... <laughs> oh that's so interesting
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not surprised that disney would do something like that so they can make really good sometimes really good movies but at the same time they're a media machine they're, they're,
1: they're, and they are the kings of kind of media and um you know that's such a course in Hollywood, Disney, and the kind of businesses and reach that they have, it's huge. From child to the grave, if you think about it, they are incredibly influential. So behind the scenes, it goes a lot further than what we all think.
2: Um, Yeah, so we saw The Lion King that I've been thinking a lot about um, continuing to update my resume and going with Troy to King's Cross and uh, waiting for him while he had his meeting and just seeing everybody going into their work and just everybody having a place to go and I, it felt really bad to not I, I don't know to not have something like that or to not even know where to begin to find something like that not that I want to be in an office you know but when when you're in the middle of that and i i don't know it it made me feel really insecure
1: mm-hmm. i know how you feel i know how you feel
2: and yeah and i mean it's just like you should be doing something and you're not or yeah i've had troy help me out
0: yeah it's been it's been a bit of a challenge because i can see something so clearly from the outside <laughs> and and i don't think rick is like picking up on them sometimes i just get the feeling that he doesn't quite see like everything that he has to offer
1: have you been sending out cvs
2: no i'm not at that point right now okay have you seen
1: any have you seen any jobs or applicant
2: or no i mean i've I've been looking through different things and just considering what might work but i kind of don't have to rush um It's, it's just taking that breathing room and like looking and seeing if there's, if there's things here or there, um, what might be more convenient or what might be like, maybe might be more beneficial than convenience. Since I'm not in that, you're about to fall off the cliff. You better make a choice. It's kind of like, um, it's good and bad because I think that I, maybe I work the best when I'm on that cliff because I have to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when but you feel, yeah under pressure, it's you feel not yeah. It's not like uh, you can not artificially hit. create that.
0: No, and I think that's what you've been trying to do. Like there's the there's the carrot motivation and there's the whip motivation. And if you're used to the yes, yes. the whip motivation, I I don't think that you can convince yourself that it's that kind of situation if it's not really. That's why I'm saying like, I don't think he sees all the carrots that are out there that are within his grasp and he's not used to thinking of it in those kinds of terms. Like, when you don't have pressure breathing down your neck, you can still have something that you go towards. That's where our, our conversations have been lately. But even just going through the CV, and we've been going through his CV and looking up the job descriptions for the jobs that he's had, and yes. finding out what the language is for these job descriptions, and like, and the process, and sometimes it's a challenge mm-hmm. to, own up to the fact that this is actually what you did in this job it sounds complicated it sounds like it's a huge achievement and it is but you did it day by day but it doesn't mean that you didn't do it and so you go through these job descriptions and it sounds really intimidating if you were just gonna go and land that job and to own the fact that yeah I've done this I've done this communication I've done this team building I've you know I do this kind of marketing and strategy and it sounds Really intimidating. But I mean, it, it is, is
2: like how you see it, in a when you go to apply for a job and you see the job description, it's a lot more intimidating than when you actually go and do the job. And yeah. some of the things that Troy's asking me to put in, I'm just like that. Just seems fake. That that doesn't seem real. Which and to me sounds like the It seems symbol. like I'm a fraud, and I don't know. But that's how the yeah, impostor. I I I you symbol.
1: mean it, it? It makes you feel. It makes you feel like, is this um, appropriate or is this what they really want? Where And really, you want them to want you as a person, as a whole. But I suppose you have, because I mean, I've been going through it as well. It, it's a tough one. You kind of are trying to, you know, give them what they want without selling yourself out you know and who you truly are it's it's a tough one i guess at the same time what i've learned is i've also got to kind of put in to things that i enjoy oh yes you know it can be almost like a full-time job looking for a job yeah. changing your CV, filling in applications looking for the right job application I mean it just goes on and on preparing yourself for interview going to interviews, what are you going to wear it honestly can so it's, it is important to have these side things that you enjoy because you never know you can maybe meet somebody Just from that enjoyment,
0: and uh, it's true. You never know. Yeah. I mean, you put that out there, you enjoy it, and you might attract other people that also enjoy it, like in a similar kind of way, and it'll make a connection that you won't get if you're only focused on what you're going to wear to a job interview and how you're going to nail the questions that might be asked. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, what have you been up to? (laughs) Uh,
0: My week. uh, I had a. I had a meeting with the my supervisor who's who's helping me with my ethnography and um, he's going to help me design my field research. He said overall my plan for doing it makes sense, it's cohesive, um, but we're at such an early stage right now I just have to get the ethical stuff like the ethical compliance submitted to the university and luckily he said, don't worry about making that perfect because if they come back with something, then you can respond and it's just kind of iterative. It's going to build up into something that's more solid. I was like, okay, I mean, right. that's fine. And we started watching that show and we started doing like the podcast for that. We started working on the video. Oh yeah. Years and years. I finally, we finally watched episode two, and, but mm-hmm. we haven't seen, have we seen episode three? No. No, we haven't seen episode three. But um, that brings us on to the discussion about dystopian narratives, dystopian media. The reason I got interested in the subject is because there's so much conversation right now in like the political landscape about Brexit and Trump and just like what it means. And then what's the dynamic of it? How is it happening? And like, why is it happening? And we saw that first episode of the show, Years and Years, and I was like, you know, this is really like dystopian, but it's not a far away dystopia. It's almost like a, a, a five second delay of what's happening right now. It's not way into the future where people have become like, you can't tell the difference between robots and people anymore two weeks from now could be like which for me is really anxiety provoking. That's why dystopian kind of like stuck out in my mind because Rick's been watching what's happening with uh, immigration and the borders and the states because it's affecting people like his family like directly and I mean it's really horrible what you hear going on and then you know Trump was tweeting about the
2: squad these four congresswomen and these
1: oh yes yeah that was that was terrible
2: that was yeah that they need to go back to their countries which you know uh, three of them are from the US and you uh hear him doing all of that and then talking about Mexican immigrants being animals they're not even people I mean, that, did, that,
0: them like that doesn't
2: even like get picked up anymore, and they are, they're caging them like animals. You have pens going to these centers, and you have all these people packed in, and it's just, how is this happening in America, and how are they letting this happen, and it's just one thing after the other, and, and I mean, this is a huge thing that gets so glossed over, I think, or at this point, people don't care as much it's like theater some people might take it like theater and just like a a two-second headline and and we're done and okay Mm -hmm. the next terrible thing that he's done and it's just you can't even keep up (laughs) it it, it just moves on to the next
1: to the next to the next thing and
2: that's the plan that's his plan that's what that's the strategy
1: Well, but then okay, to give it the historical context, you know, America um, and Europe, you know, they, um, this is a mode of, this this is a mode that's worked for 400 years to kind of live off other people and make other, like, make people the other in order to make money, in order for commerce to move.
0: Right, to build you know, political that, power.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. to make somebody the, the you know, the, the wronged person so that people feel elevated enough to put them down. So it's just, it, it's, a, it's a cycle which has worked for so long and it, that's where it comes well, from. Well,
2: yeah, and, and this is what's on the cycle now. A few years ago, it was gay people that were, you know, the other... And I mean, in in some ways still, but not, not... It's less now yeah. and it's
0: become racial again. I'm like, I'm not surprised, but it's so blatant at this point that it's so racial. Yeah. So racial. And that's kind of like where my question came from. One of the things about Trump was that he was dominating the news cycle. And they say that one person's utopia is another person's dystopia. And so, I mean, and right, like... Right, right. So... He was I think creating um, something for people who could buy into it but at the same time it's perpetuating itself and he was dominating it and you know that kind of coverage got him elected but at the same time the mirror to that is that it created a dystopia for so many other people. It's almost like the chicken and the egg. So now I wanted to understand what dystopia does. It's it's actually less um, scary once you go into like the theory behind it. But it turns out um, dystopia is part of a utopian cycle. That um, some people theorize that it's a warning, and there's so they map out a problem, they warn you, and then they give you a sign of hope. How can you fix this? And so that like once you put dystopia into like this utopian process that's out Mm -hmm. there it's yes there are people trying to articulate what a problem is and then they're trying to articulate a solution and so um it kind of douglas kellner talks about different types of paranoia that are out there and um there's a clinical kind of paranoia where you're dissociated from reality and it's regressive i mean it's not going to make sense and it's, just, it's, it's reactive and um, there's not much you can get from it other than it's very emotional but then there's something called a critical paranoia which mm-hmm. is where um, you can be suspicious of like, the, the politics of media and culture and then there's something that like, um, Salvador Dali had, which is a creative paranoia. It reacts to traditional powers with a type of mania that breaks down um, that power structure. And when looks and it aims to break down and attacks it with like these really adventurous inventions and these secret recipes. And in the end, like this idea of like a, a heavenly kind of road to, to go down. So I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it.
1: Yeah, that sounds really interesting, actually.
0: What I thought was really interesting is that there's all this neutral stuff out there uh, floating around. And at any point, a utopian desire can go through and activate that, nutri- that neutral, ambiguous material meaning and then create a utopian narrative out of all of these element- elements, pulling it together. And then, you know, you try to get people to buy into it.
1: I, I can I can understand I can almost relate to what you're saying as well. I can I can, I can relate to what you're saying. It makes sense.
0: I mean, because you talk about you work a lot with representation, and that's the power of being able to create meaning and narrative and culture, and exactly. so that's what that's what sometimes people are trying to do, create like these ideas of utopia. Dystopia is just the flip side. Within dystopian narratives there's always, there's usually a suggestion of what the problem is and how to fix it. Either um, you become more like the person who's oppressing you or you like find a way to reject the system altogether or, or you change who you see yourself as, and then you become something bigger so that you can uh, like protect yourself or thrive within a system that might be set up to be against you. Like Blade Runner, for example. Um, yes. It's you only find out at the end that he's the android that he's chasing, and the like he's chasing down andro- other androids who are able to articulate these beautiful like experiences this uh, the, you know the one that he's been chasing this whole time is dying but he talks about all the beautiful stories that he's encountered you're identifying with this with what's supposed to be the other you become the other you're escaping what it means to be human and it's like oh i've been identifying with a robot this whole time and one of the robots just gave this very beautiful type of um summary of what his life is like before as it's flashing in front of his eyes and then the life goes out of him
1: uh, i would say i like the matrix um ah. well i find it interesting the matrix i think that's um A good narrative. I mean I have to say the reason I'm not into uh, the dystopian and utopian narratives are um, it's almost like a never-ending cycle like inherently it's almost as if it doesn't have a soul if that makes sense like it can't have one without the other so it always seems pretty dark and anxious those types of narratives but I do see, see a in a a theoretical sense, it's it's incredibly useful to kind of make sense of things, and especially media and creativity.
0: Yeah, I can see what you're saying about the cycle. And I mean, it's like, yeah, it's because we were talking about the Lion King and you can see how like Simba starts out as part of the established system. And then Scar, is that the villain's name? He comes through and he sets up a different system. And then Simba becomes the outcast and then Simba has to fight against the system and like reestablish after everything's been ravaged. It's like, yeah. and so in the way that I like to identify the villains and see like, their struggle against everything that you consider normal, Simba for me got to become a villain according to the established system. It's, number yeah, number it's, his-
2: it's
1: like a never-ending never cycle and that has to be used in all narratives, um, to be honest in a certain type of way but when it's literally you know like Divergent or Hunger Games or The Matrix sometimes it can be almost like you already know for me it's like I already know how this story um you know is gonna go it's what and sometimes like it can be a bit like yeah like you're saying like it can make you anxious all the way through
0: yeah i mean hopefully it doesn't become repetitive and boring like if you know how it's going to end then it's like there's a challenge for it to stay interesting
1: exactly exactly that's for me sometimes it can be a bit like that but like the matrix there's a lot of um interesting points in that i mean and almost it's like a a story of life and just kind of making the decision the red or the blue pill and yeah oracle and the story you know all of all different kind of symbols throughout kind of relate to life itself and then going back to uh years and years i think that was very interesting um and i will like kind of keep watching that with you because um it's literally what's happening now it's very very it's very near future and it's it's interesting how they're almost setting us up for how we're gonna deal with the next couple of years
0: that's exactly how I'm taking it and yeah, cause, it's exactly what's happening it's like okay they're warning us like this is happening are you prepared for what you're gonna have well, to go through
1: well this is and it's almost like, like films like the purge I mean I haven't seen it because
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Like,
1: well, because I'm scared of it. Um, Handmaidens' Tale, it's almost writing the future, but maybe not so literally, but r- almost writing people's fears. Like, well, this is how you're going to be, this is what you're going to be afraid of, this is what you should be afraid of.
0: And that's something that concerned me, because there's the idea of social reality, that yeah. there's like a physical reality, there's a biological reality, but then there's something social reality, and that, It may not correlate 100% with physical reality but people have ideas in their heads and it maintains the group, it maintains society and it's the language that everyone starts speaking. You put these narratives out there and if it catches on then it doesn't matter what happened two weeks ago. This new idea is taking place and it's going to like it's like a Forest fire it, just, it can just start like it do, that.
1: yeah and, and it just and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because what it does when when you communicate is that like you're setting lines and making tribes so exactly. you know what tribe are you in
0: exactly you know,
1: and it, yeah so anytime people create or and it, and that, and it's especially true for politics is that's what it feeds on
0: let me ask Rick real quick yeah, what is the think? what's some of your favorite or most impactful because some people don't like this media like this type of story
2: well this is my favorite type of story and I just bask in it and as you two are talking I keep getting worried about everything that I'm going to miss like I'm giving an Oscar speech and I'm going to miss the most important (laughs) parts Um, yeah seriously I have anxiety right now but and I'm trying to cram it all in but I mean one of the biggest is definitely Battlestar Galactica I like that parallels that I like how it parallels with real life and how you can connect so much of what happens to what's actually happening, the politics of you know the Iraq war and how humans repeat history and how history repeats and how no matter what you do everything comes back full circle and people are going to make the same mistakes and how it forces you to see the other side how it forced for example in Battlestar Galactica they the humans have to become insurgents like Iraq people were you know there's like car bombers you know it forces you to switch your view and to see their perspective and the they're, robots have taken over yeah yeah so taken over. now that they set up this colony and the robots are they're, they're you know they've overtaken them how are you gonna fight back and you know you can see parallels with everything that's happening in the in the real world now and I mean that's what years and years does it's that it's really scary parallels and it's what Trey was saying about how there's a warning this is a Big red flag, like this is happening to you. And if these decisions happen this way, you're gonna be having to deal with A, B, and C. In Battlestar Galactica, at the end, they really showed how. I mean, they they talk about Earth and you know this like the, the fabled Earth, the 13th colony, and did it exist and all of the all of that. And they talk about how we are starting up ramping up the robots and starting with artificial intelligence and they showed footage towards the end of the show they showed footage of what we're doing now which is you know they there's like this huge coming back to be to the beginning humans are are they going to do it again you know because we're back at the beginning are we going to mess up as much as we continue to develop and be overtaken and repeat the cycle and seeing that real footage in that show seeing the real the real stuff in years and years and even something like the man in the high castle where they're exploring oh, that's the really good have you seen Man in the high castle oh
1: yeah no I haven't seen that oh, yeah I, I mean the dystopia
2: of you know what if uh, the Nazis had won World War two and you have this these parallel worlds and seeing all of these dynamics and and how plausible they are and how i mean when i'm watching the show i get so interested to see like what does the map look like what territories exist what happened to this state what happened to that just seeing those landmarks and what happened i, I mean like the handmade tale the same thing what territories are left after you know this overthrow of government and i just i get so interested in the landscapes and in how and how the they relate to our world um and what we have and what we might lose and again what troy was saying the danger that we have coming up if we really mess everything up
0: without people even realizing it there are certain people there are certain americans who would have probably been happier had the nazis that actually won because they're buying into that that same idea just Mm -hmm. under a different name and and how does that change the landscape when you know you the president can be like there's evidence that he's lied that he's accepted help from foreign governments and and that he's and he was able to get away with it like that has changed the landscape it has wrecked the institution and what's left and what's been broken apart i mean it's a parallel because that's actually happened that's not the way the constitution has set things up to work and that's not how presidents are supposed to behave and if you go around crashing things then yeah the landscape is going to look different i mean metaphorically like symbolically but functionally as well i mean
1: and and, and the way and the reason why to me it's almost like yeah he's getting away with it because but it's part and parcel of the subtlety of power and to be quite frank that's always happened um if you look at if we go to to the declaration then and we see jefferson and the life he was living um talking about you know the rights of man and equality while at the same time he yeah. had slaves and a 14-year-old girl
0: that exactly. he, he
1: had, you know, quite a few ch- children with. So, he, you know, wow. it's it's part and parcel of how, you know, patriarchy and that's only going back to then because, it. it I mean, I could even go back further. Right. You can literally go back to is, Israel and... Biblical times um, about how patriarchy works—it's—it's—it's it's, it's commerce.
0: It's all right there on the page if you go back exactly. to like the Old Testament.
1: But it's—it's it's a subtlety of power which is worked, and we're all kind of born into this society, into this construct, and right. And e- each day we're being fed on it and regurgitating it.
0: Part of what I was looking at in terms of identity and talking mm-hmm. about how the power that's on us happens at such a granular level it's everything from the hospital the psychologist the school going into a store yeah, and what it, you're
1: taught, it, yeah what you're taught in school the images that you see what all of it
0: the power like on you is the matrix it becomes a shell that just builds <laughs> exactly. up and builds up but that's you know that's one thing I liked about the matrix at least for mm-hmm. the for the first couple was that you yeah. really got the sense that um, you can make choices and they'll still be like a mystery to you and there's like an untapped potential in the choices that you make and that um, being aware of like your range of choices trying to get a, a grasp on that um, I really liked that phrase um, that line like walking the path and knowing the path are two different things yes, and so exactly. that to me has always been like that's one thing I've loved about The Matrix is that it's going to be a mystery, but it's a mystery that comes from like a choice. And like if you can learn to leverage structures against structure because you're never going to be free from structure, but you can leverage them in order like just to get like a bit of freedom for yourself. Like that's one of the reasons why I really like The Matrix because it's almost it has a vacuum in the core where you don't have to buy into so much of the cycle it almost like leaves a blank that you can fill in yourself
1: I totally agree with that and it's about that choice that you make that almost almost choosing the mystery because sometimes when I talk to people you know in the street about or hear about arguments over Brexit or Trump or whatever and it's always yes it's always the people that are saying but what else are we gonna do like We've got to have a plan, or we have to vote for him, because what else can we do? And it's that fear of the unknown, right? That it, it seems to me is running the show.
0: Yeah, because when you're afraid of the unknown, then you have to buy into a narrative that's already established yeah. for you, and that narrative yeah. has, has come with power. It's like yeah. somebody's had the power to give that, give, pull together that sense of meaning, and you're just you're buying into it because. It's, yeah, I mean, it's scary to be, like, off on your own and not buy other derivatives.
2: There's also the danger of those that become so complacent that they don't buy into anything, and yeah, you're not buying into the unknown. You're not even bothering because you're, like, you think you're above it, and you think that people before you didn't fight hard enough to have it. Mm. So you're going to lose it then, and you just... I mean that that was one of the biggest issues that the biggest thing over fifty percent of the country didn't bother and I'm sure with brexit there was a similar thing that happened where tons of people didn't even bother or like- well, yeah
1: because they felt, because they felt like they weren't part of the system they were, they've never been heard and that's and that's through history of um not feeling like they're part of the system like they've got nothing to do with it. well
2: yeah but that's a good way to guarantee that you're not yeah (laughs)
1: this is so true it's
2: so true unless well i don't know because
0: you have like aoc right and you have the squad and they went in being very critical of even like the democratic establishment and nancy pelosi and said well you haven't done anything yeah that's what you always hear they were so critical so
1: what's um what's a What's
2: AOC? Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, yeah, she's she's from. She's one of the new freshmen. She's from. Uh, she was one of the four that Trump
0: um, is tweeting against, and she. Oh,
1: the young. Yes, yeah, the young, the young, the young one.
0: Yeah, I mean. I know it's In one sense, like the narrative hasn't been entirely relevant for her, but she hasn't seen the relevance of the narratives that have come before her either. And that people like, I mean, you can actively be fighting against something, but that very fight becomes woven into a fabric that becomes part of something you can just see yourself not a part of. And I mean, so that her Nancy Pelosi's fight with Republicans through the years becomes something that's politics as usual. Inside of it, it's very dynamic and Nancy Pelosi is a very like she's very smart. She's strategic and You know, she's trying to she's playing she's trying to play chess But if politics is never applied to you You've never felt like it relates to you then Nancy Pelosi's game just becomes part of the Washington DC game And then you exactly. come in you try to like attack it
2: and Yeah, without realizing that Nancy Pelosi made inroads for you to even be there because she was a woman in the voice club, you think early on when she was going in there and making inroads, that wasn't happening. Women were not there, were not playing the game. And to go in there and criticize somebody that way without realizing the opportunities that they've given you, even in indirect ways, yeah, that's really like short-sighted.
0: I wanted to put this question out here, and there's no wrong or right answer, but is this podcast dystopian, seeing that we're trying to engage in a critical paranoia?
1: What do you mean this this week or in general?
0: In general, um, because I feel like one of the goals of the podcast is to take apart culture, to be like, uh, to understand what's not being discussed on the surface. So in a way, it's involving that critical paranoia.
1: Um... I think so. I think all media or all kinds, of types of communication has a sense of that.
0: Especially if it has an impact, like...
1: yeah. But that, but that's that's like the output, right? So in in order for me to carry on, like um, for my ethics, it's about the internal journey of it, which is important to me. It's, it's the input like with my um, Instagram page because
0: Aha, okay.
1: you know yeah I'll get people saying all kinds of things on there like some people say thank thank goodness uh, you're not um, racist against white people and then I'll get some people some other people say oh um, you need to do some more research this doesn't make really sense you know so you, I get both sides <laughs> right. and. That could sway me, but what keeps me going is my own interest, my internal uh, the way that I can actually just uh, be creative.
0: Right, right. No, I I can definitely see that. And I mean, I, what do you think? Uh, well, let me get Rick's opinion. Do you think we qualify okay. as dystopian media?
2: I want to say yes, but I also want to say that I'm not sure if I understand w- what you're asking. Um, okay, yeah,
0: I guess... It's a, t- it's a tough one, really. It's a tough one, but, okay, through the podcast, one are we trying to make things better? Are, are, like, we, is, that, is that a goal? And um, by making things better, are we identifying problems and drawing people's attention to problems where other people aren't perceiving them, so we're almost paranoid in a way, like, critically paranoid. Like, everybody seems to be going along with something, but we're like, hold up, let's draw attention to this and pick it apart.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, part of it is like us screaming at the wind, you're going the wrong way to certain things because, I mean, we have our own views and they, they're our own. So I think anything that you're doing in a sense is that is dystopian because it's it's gonna there's gonna be somebody that doesn't see it the same way that you do.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah okay. so it's almost like you can't help it unless you just completely have no point of view.
2: Yeah, like, like, and then you're like a vegetable yeah. at that point.
0: <laughs> you're talking about the Kardashians or something like Yeah, I
2: something. mean okay. like or how the the earth is flat or some crazy thing like but that.
0: Just keep it open mind. <laughs>
2: No, like I'm not keeping an open mind about the Earth. There's no two sides to a fact, you know. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I guess because to me, the reason the question popped up in my head was that the the name, uh, destroyed nonchalance, almost sounds like a dystopian thing. Even though I didn't really think it of it. Does like that. It, it? Yeah,
2: it
0: does. It does. does. It, yeah. I mean, the name. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even. We didn't even say how the name came about, did we? Wow. All right, um, so we should wrap this one up.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: We
2: never.
1: I mean, I mean, this. I think we could do, even do another one on the same subject in the future, maybe. Or yeah,
2: it's such an interesting. I yeah, because there's
1: loads that we. Could there's
2: so much. Talk I mean, about. we talked about the politics, but you have like Day after tomorrow talk, talking about climate change and. How yeah. we're gonna get to the point where everything goes to hell or Westworld and the dystopian? Yeah, or we
1: end up at, like the way of the, uh, War of the Worlds
2: and oh, yeah, know,
1: where we're literally like running down the streets, in a turning t- 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 <laughs> who
2: knows? Exactly. Who knows? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't want to send everyone. No, but you
2: know, it's so interesting, <laughs> interesting, and I think we can definitely talk about it more.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, I think so. All okay.
2: Right.
0: Well thank you guys. It's been fun. I really enjoyed yeah. this conversation. And yeah, I hope, this is good. I hope all of our listeners have found it interesting. Alright, so let's say bye. Right, bye bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We put it out weekly. And follow us on social media. We're on every platform. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're everywhere. Everywhere.